And boy, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the truth in that song. And, uh, and if you would, that song couldn't be sung about anybody else, could it? And there's no way that could, that could be true of anybody else but our Lord. Revelations chapter 4, stand with me when you find it, or as you're looking for it. If you've got to fake it, all right, uh, just stand with me anyway. But Revelation chapter 4, it's the last book of the Bible. <clears throat> Revelations chapter 4 and verse 1. And verse 1, I'll read the chapter, but verses I want to take extra attention to are the last two of the chapter. But <clears throat> it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Here's John. He's on the Isle of Patmos. As we know, if you go to the first part of the book, Revelation chapter one and Revelation chapter one, the Lord begins to give John a vision of some things to come. And chapters two and chapter three cover the church age, the age in which we live today, the church at Ephesus, Smyrna, Philadelphia, all the different churches that are mentioned. And but here in this chapter 4, there's a transition that happens. Uh, Paul goes from seeing the vision on earth to God catching him up and letting him see it from heaven. It's a picture of the rapture of the church. What would unfold in the remainder of this passage of Scripture is John looking down at what God was doing on the earth or some things in heaven, but he was no longer down there. And it's one of the incredible pictures of the rapture of the church is what happens here. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first verse, voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat on was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like as unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and, and there were seven lamps of fire burning right before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto a crystal, in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each one of them six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. When those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. The four and twenty elders felt fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Would you read verse 10 and 11 aloud with me this evening? Let's read those verses together. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created." Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much for the opportunity to be with your people on this Sunday night, the last Sunday night of the year. 
Lord, one day you're coming again. One day that trumpet's going to sound. They're going to be caught up together to be with the Lord. And we'll see you there in glory. We'll be held accountable for our life. And we'll receive the rewards for what we've done with our life. And I pray tonight that this portion of Scripture, that you would use it to speak to our hearts. Uh, Lord, remind us of your love for us and the way that we get to show that in return to you. Lord, I love you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This is an incredible passage of Scripture. There's some events that you and I as a church are looking forward to. I think of Thessalonians when the Lord reminds us of, of the rapture of the church and he speaks of it. And, you know, the Old Testament, the, the theme of the Old Testament when it comes to prophecy is the millennial reign of Christ. It was to the people of Israel. And the theme of the Old Testament was that thousand year reign, even somewhat, even also in the Gospels, that theme. But it's in the, in the epistles, the letter to the church, that we see the rapture really come unfold because that's what you and I are looking forward to as a church. One day that trumpet's going to sound and we're out of here. And it may be tonight, couldn't it? Now, that'd make me happy, all right? Round about midnight, all right? But it could be tonight, couldn't it? That rapture of the church. But after that rapture of the church happens, there's something that's the world's going to enter into tribulation, but you and I are going to be there with the Lord. We're going to be there with the Lord. And, and, and God gives us a little glimpse in this passage of Scripture. John, he, he goes from that giving that direction and talking about the churches, and now he's caught up in the glory, a picture of the rapture of the church. And he begins to look, and something's unfolding in heaven. And as shortly as he concludes some things that's unfolding in, happen, in heaven, he begins to see what's going to unfold down on earth for the seven years of tribulation. And finally, in chapter 19, we see the second coming of the Lord and his return as he comes back on a white horse, clothed in white, and uh, his vesture dipped in in blood and his name is written king of kings and lord of lords and the great white throne judgment where the where the lost of this world are caught up to before him and find their names not written in the lamb's book of life and they hear the words depart from me for i never knew thee they're cast forever into a bottomless pit and then god wipes away our tears and he creates a new heaven a new earth and we get to live with him for all of eternity but we're looking forward to some things we're looking forward to them and I look at this passage of scripture and and for me, I I see a high point in the Christian life. Verses 10 and 11, I I look at this passage of scripture and I I see those those elders casting their crowns before the Lord. What a a moment that will be for you and I as a Christian. What, What a moment. Think of that moment. The opportunity to give back to the one who has given so much to us. I think some of the closest things we have to that is our, for right now is our service for him or an offering plate. I don't know about you, but as I give, I, I, look, I, I'm not giving just, just I, I know God promises blessings to the giver. Don't get me wrong. The, the windows of heaven will be open. Given it shall be given unto you. And all the many promises and Philippians chapter four to the, to the one who gives to missions. And, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. There's, there's good reasons and blessings that God gives to the giver. But the greatest reason to give is not for what we might get from giving, but, but because of what he's already given to us. And I, and I hope that as you've, as you've laid something in the offering plate, that it's, that it's not about keeping some light bills on, or it's not about some blessing you might receive in the future, but because you took a good look, long look in the rearview mirror and said, God has been too good for me not to be able to give. And as a result of that, you lay down and worship, Lord, I love you. Let me give of the first of what I have because you've given everything for me. It's an incredible moment, but that moment I see at the Calvary, at, at, in glory, God gives us a little glimpse of these crowns that are in the hand of the elders, and they say, Thou art worthy, O Lord. You're worthy, O Lord. Is there anyone more worthy than the Lord? I think of the song tonight. Show me a time when he's not been faithful, amen? Show me a time when he's been less than almighty. Show me a time when he hasn't been good, and you won't find one. And in that moment, 
those elders take their crowns that they have received through the course of their life and they lay them before the Lord. You and I are looking forward to a rapture when we're out of this world. What a, what a day that will be, that when we, when we see our Savior. Lord tells us what's coming next. There's going to be an accounting for our life. In 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, it says, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon, for other foundations can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ, Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. 2 Corinthians 5, 8 through 10 says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. There's coming a day when you and I are out of this world, that rapture of the church. And while the tribulation takes place down here on this earth, you and I stand before our Lord, the judgment seat of Christ. And when we think of judgment, we think of punishment, don't we? But what he's doing is he's rewarding the Christian for the way they lived. For some of those rewards, we'll receive wood, hay, and stubble. And probably some of us can look backward in our rearview mirror and say, I know what's coming from that, right? And then other times you can look at it and God gives reward for the Christian life. And they'll be tried so as by fire, the, the things as God gives us laid in that fire. And there's mercy in the flames that day, isn't there? I, I'm thankful that some things are going to be burned away. Some things, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that that day, uh, as much as I'm going to hate the wood, hay, and stubble in my life, I'm going to be thankful that some things are consumed. And one day God, day, God wipes the tears away from our eyes. There's mercy in that flame. And what comes from that is the reward of a Christian life. And we don't do with that with what we do with awards in our day today. In, in our day and age today, when we receive an accomplishment or award, we, we hang it on our wall, don't we? We hang a trophy up on the wall or, or a degree that's been received and all those things from hard labors and we put them there and folks recognize what we have done. But that's not the point of those rewards that are won in that day. They're not going to be put on our mantle and on our mansion in glory. They're not going to be laid there and said, look what I have done with my life. But we have an opportunity with those. We get a glimpse of that here in Revelation chapter 4. See, in that moment before the throne of God, we get our opportunity to say, Thou art worthy, O Lord. Thou art worthy, O Lord. I'm not hanging this thing on my wall, but I'm laying at your feet, Lord, because you have been so good to me. It's the high point. It is the pinnacle of the Christian life, that moment when what we have done with our life for his glory, we get to lay at our feet. Paul would say of certain things in his life, I count all these things but dung. He knew there were some things in this life that we see of value, but he realized that when there's that day in glory, it won't matter. And the opportunity to look our Lord in the eye and say, Lord, I love you. I love you because you first loved me. Here, Lord, everything that I've done that was for you, I want to put at your feet so that you know something I love you. Some will stand that day empty-handed. 
saved, yet so saved as by fire. They arrive that day not having lived for the Lord, not having served the Lord, but have lived life for self. And saved, yet so as by fire. And in God's, by God's grace and God's mercy, they're, they're there. But everything that they did with their life was burnt up in the flames. And in God's mercy, it was burnt up. But, but they're there with nothing. That would be a sad place to be that day, wouldn't it? The time has come. The saints of God worshiping their Savior, reward in hand, ready to lay them at the feet of our Lord and to be there with nothing to lay. And in the scripture, God reminds us, and I want to look at some of these things tonight, and yet God speaks in his word of five different crowns a Christian can earn in their life. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to show up at that day empty. And I would say, if you know the Lord, there's a burden in your heart not to show up at that day empty. And so I want to know, Lord, what is it that you reward? I know what we as men recognize. I know sometimes what I think of, but Lord, what is it that you recognize? What is it that you reward? Because when it comes that day, I want something in my hand to lay at the feet of my Lord. So take your Bible, if you would, and go to the book of Timothy, and we'll look at just a few of these tonight. And 2 Timothy chapter 4, and these will be familiar to you, but 2 Timothy chapter 4, and, and turn there if you would, and we'll read some, some of these scriptures together, but 2 Timothy chapter 4, and <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5, we see Paul make this statement in chapter 4. <clears throat> He says in verse 5, he says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of what? Righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. What day? That, That accounting day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The Lord reminds us that there is a crown to be won for those who are loving and living for the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a crown to be offered. There's a crown to be gained that day when our works are laid in there and and tried by fire that is available for the Christian who is living in light of his return. Paul would say this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have labored and loved and lived for that day when I see my Savior face to face and I know that my Lord has a crown in store for me to lay in my hand that day because I have lived for him and for his glorious appearing. I think of Titus when he would tell Titus in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God said, I've got a crown in my hand that I'm waiting to give the one who's living for the day that they see me. 
Not someone who steps outside the door and looks up and says, what is it today? But someone who, if you will, he said is who is who is zealous of good works. He would say in that verse in Titus again, he would say this, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. That person who's living pure for the day they see the Lord, living right for the day that they see the Lord and purifying to himself a peculiar people, someone who looks like the Lord in the middle of a lost world, a peculiar person set apart, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood because they're living for that day, zealous of good works, laboring for their life because they know in a moment they could see the Lord. Someone who recognized I've been saved for sin, I must leave sin behind. I must look different than this world because I'm a Christian. I should conduct myself different because I could see him tomorrow. Someone who is zealous of good works, laboring for the Lord, serving the Lord as they go through their week and in ministry in, the, in, the, in their life, knowing this, that it may be today that I see Jesus. It may be today. Paul said, I tell you, I know this. God has something for me because I've been looking for him. Can I tell you something, Christian? If you're looking for him, he's got something for you. If you're looking to this world, if we're caught up with the things of this world, if we're living for what we can get out of this world, we're going to miss it. But for those who are living with this reality, you know what? I, I, I've got plans for this year. I'm looking forward to those years. But all of those plans are in light of this thing that one day I'm going to see him. And if he comes halfway through the year instead of giving me the full year, I want to know that the first half of the year was lived looking for his return. I want to know that if he came tonight, that today was spent with this reality. It may be tonight that I see him. My heart is right. My life is different. And I've been zealous of good works for the Lord. To look for that return. Are you looking for that return? Don't waste a moment. I think of in Matthew chapter 16 when the Lord would tell them that if we're going to follow the Lord, we're going to have to take, take up our cross and follow him. And he gives us this caution, lest we should trade our own souls for this world to, to having traded that which our, our lives. Let me just read the verses here so I don't, don't misquote at the end of it. He said, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for a soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. A saved soul, but a lost life, right? A saved soul, the day of salvation, but a lost life, because someone didn't live for that day. Didn't live for that day. A soul that is saved but a life that was lost because they had their focus in the wrong place. I can tell you a good way to get through the coming year or coming day and know that God's got something waiting in his hand is to live for that glorious appearing of the Lord. To live for it. He's coming. I want to be right with him. I want when I hear that trumpet and I see my Savior to know that my heart is right with him, that I've been living pure before him. I want to be a peculiar person when I see him. In other words, someone that the world looks at and says there's something different about the way he's living. He belongs to the Lord. He's a stranger and a pilgrim just passing through. Zealous of good works. Laboring for our Lord. God doesn't leave any vague, vagueness where it, when it comes to what he rewards. He rewards the one who's looking up. And looking for him, the crown of righteousness, the crown of life. Go back to Revelation, if you would. Revelation chapter 2 and 
In Revelation chapter 2, we get another glimpse. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 8 through verse 10, the Lord would say this, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And he says there in verse, in verse 9, I, John, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 1. Chapter 2, if you would, verse, verse 8 again, verse 8. He says this, And unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews and are not, but are they of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. That ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. But, that, but, but be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of what? Of life, the martyr's crown. But it's also mentioned in James chapter 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The martyr's crown, the overcomer's crown, the one who has endured the tribulations and the temptations of life, and stayed faithful to the Lord, to remain faithful to him, to stay faithful, to endure. He's talking to church in Smyrna that would endure persecution and imprisonment and even death for their faith and trust in the Lord. He would write to the James and he would write to that church that is facing trials and temptations. And he would say, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And he said, if you endure, there's a crown of life waiting for you. When I think of that crown, I think of scars is what I think of. Anybody bear any scars? <laughs> any scars? Maybe physical scars. But how about the scars of just, just being faithful to the Lord? I've seen people go down in, in Christian battle, if you will. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. I've watched folks... Quit on God. I've watched some seduced by the things of this world and like Demas, having loved this present world, have forsaken the Lord. Trials and the temptations of life. Folks have walked away, drifted away, turned away, fallen. And yet God said, I have something for those who are faithful. I think of Paul walking into the presence of God, a back marred by the beatings he had taken in life. The stonings he had received. The nights he had spent in the deep, in prison by his own countrymen, betrayed, care of the churches, worn out, beaten up, but he had fought the good fight. Times, no doubt, Maybe, question, maybe at times, maybe floating out on the sea in the middle of the night, has God forgotten? Has God forgotten? Maybe like John the Baptist one day. John the Baptist in prison sending his disciples to see the Lord and say, are you the one or do we look for another? The Lord would tell the disciples, John, you go back and tell John the things that you have seen. I am the one. And there is a crown for those who stay faithful. There is a crown for the overcomer. There is a God who settles accounts. There is a God who notices. 
There is a God who sees the struggles that we go through, the, the attacks in our life. I think of the verse where it said, blessed are you and men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. He said, blessed, I have noticed. Stay faithful. Christian, God rewards the faithfulness of his people. The crowns that he offers. You know, every, I think of every trial as an opportunity to lay a crown at the feet of our Lord. Hold on a little bit longer. Growing up, anybody ever play tug of war? We used to, we play the game still at Vacation Bible School, tube tug. Who's ever played tube tug before out of this reference Vacation Bible? Those big inner tubes, you get out there and a bunch of people on one side and a bunch of people on there, and you're pulling one way or the other. My brothers and I, when we grew up, it all seemed, always seemed that Pastor Adam and I were on opposite sides of that, that tube. And I, I remember moments where we both felt like near-death experience because neither of us were quitting. I wasn't getting beat by my younger brother, and he wasn't getting big beaten by his older brother. And we pulled, and we pulled, and we pulled, and we pulled. Don't quit. Don't quit. And I will say this when it comes to God. Don't quit. Do not quit. There's nowhere in God's word where he promises every step of life will be easy. As a matter of fact, he said, yea, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. He would say, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. He would commend the Christian who endures through the trial. And there is a God who notices the scars of the Christian life. And every battle is an opportunity to demonstrate our faithfulness to God. Every temptation, an opportunity to say, Lord, you first, me last. Every opportunity. So that that day I'll have something in my hand to say, Lord, I love you. You are always faithful to me. Not all the time, but some of the time, most of the time, I was faithful to the trial. Nobody's as faithful as God. Here it is thing that you have given me, I I want to give back. You've always been faithful. Now I get to give back. Crown there, there's the incorruptible crown. If you would go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says this. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an indecorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be castaway, the incorruptible crown, one of temperance, one of living right, living holy and separating themselves unto the Lord. He said, no, you're not that all run, but not all get a prize. Friend, if you entered into the Christian life, you entered a race. When you, when you trusted Christ, you received the incredible blessings of of being a child of God. You were saved, set apart. You became his child, your joint heir, and heaven was your home and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of sin. But you also entered a race. You also joined an army. 
And they all run, but not all receive the prize. He said, be temperate. He said, I bring, be my, bring, bring my body into subjection. I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 12, where Paul would say again, or we assume Paul, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. God calls us to a race where our gaze is focused on that moment when we see our Lord and we see what he did. He endured the cross and despising the shame, and now he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And by the way, one day he's going to stand back up. His current work is finished, but when that trumpet sounds, he's coming back up, friend, and he's coming for you and I. And he said, we're looking under the one who has set the ultimate example. And he said, in the meantime, time we lay aside the sin that does so easily beset us or and the, we lay aside the weights and the sin that does so easily beset us the things that are wrong and impure in this life and the things that will hold us back in our service for the Lord and we live a temperate spirit-filled life recognizing this that I want to run well for him there are sins that will hinder your race and there are weights and things of this life that will slow you down or slayings that'll slow us down and he said, there's a crown to be won who lays aside the sin of life, who lays aside the weights of life and lives that temperate life. You know, there's, there's many good things you can gain in this life. We're not after the good. We're after the best. We're after the best. To live for him. To live for him. To lay aside the weights and the sin that so easily beset us. Those things that are clearly wrong and those things that are slowing. I'm not a runner. I, Brother McNeese was in the Hodges Hall talking today and he just ran 15 miles. And he was commenting he's sore than usual. 15 miles? I'm not walking 15 miles, all right? Okay, that's what I told him. I'm like, 15 miles. Uh, did, you, did you wear a big pack on your back this time around? You did, huh? He's nuts. All right, that's all there is to it. All right? How about those ones when you run 50? Do you carry, you carry something, don't you? But do you carry the necessities or do you carry your TV with you? <laughs> you carry both your TV? What are you carrying, Brother McNeese? Your, your phone. Are you, are you watching sports while you run, Brother McNeese? <laughs> yeah. But you eliminate, don't you? You carry the, the needs of the life, the things needed for a race. Friend, there are things in this life that we don't need. That's slow. You know, the, one of the great problems of the Christian isn't the sins they delve into. It's the distractions they delve into. The great problem of the modern church isn't that we often walk into open sin, but we get busy with a whole lot of distraction. What keeps many people from serving the Lord is not sin. It's distraction. Trying to see the sights of life trying to do the things of life to the point that, yeah, we just can't do it anymore. In our country, world, we even live for that moment of retirement. I'm for retirement. I hope you get it. But I hope the point of retirement isn't to sit back in your seat on God. I sure hope not. I, I hope you don't retire on God. You let God retire you. I hope there's a day then God calls you home and you don't quit serving God until God calls you home. Now, the means of our service may change, but service for God should never change. 
We do it late in life. We do it earlier in life. It's, it seems like young people, all that they can think of the future is the future so they don't live in, in the present serving God. Many times later in life, all as we do is we think about the past so we don't serve God in the present. And those that are stuck somewhere in the middle, we're so busy just trying to get through life so that we can do nothing later that we don't do something for God in the present. And we're always living for this life rather than the eternity. And God is saying in this passage of scripture, there is a reward for those who lay aside the sin and the weights that do so easily beset them and live with this reality. I'm living for that day and not this day. And there is a savior who's waiting on the other side, crown in hand to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You chose what was most important and you live for me. You live for me. He said, you recognize what to lay aside, the sin and the weight, and you live for me. Wherever you were, you live for me. The danger is this, that we get caught up with this speck of time. You ever think about how short time is? I mean, it seems like every year I come to this point of the year and say, man, this year just went by so fast. Every year goes faster and faster. When you're young, time creeps. <laughs> That's wrong. When you're young, time creeps, doesn't it? It creeps. It moves so slowly. How many remember? Yeah, you guys are not going to get anything more out of the service, are you? All right. When we're young, time just creeps by, doesn't it? I remember summers thinking, these are long. School days longer even still, right? But now it seems to go faster and faster. You know when it's going to seem the fastest? When we're out. When we're out. It only gets faster until the moment we see him. And we say, that was a blip we realize how truly long eternity is. And it was just merely a speck in light of eternity. And the short speck that we had to live for the Lord, if we're not careful, we'll spend it on us. And for all of eternity, that day, that moment, when it's time to lay something at his feet, we'll recognize I had my eyes in the wrong place. It was just a blip that came and went. It only gets faster. There's a crown, if you will, of, there's the crown of, of, of righteousness. There's a crown of life. There's the incorruptible crown. There's a crown of rejoicing. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter two and verse, I look at verse 19 or verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are glory and joy. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Luke 15, four. <clears throat> what man of you having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors saying unto them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more eat than over ninety and nine just persons, which need no repentance. 
Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the crown of rejoicing, the soul winner's crown, the crown for those who have pointed to others and brought others to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, there's going to be a day of rejoicing when we stand at that seat and in our hand we receive those crowns of life, that crowns of laboring and pointing others to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, I, I used my life to help take someone and share with them the incredible gospel of Jesus Christ. And, that, and though I watered and though I planted, God gave a tremendous increase and that person came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They knew Him. Think of Ricky trusting Christ this morning. Heaven rejoiced, did they not? Whether it's a soul saved in church or at someone's door or out about your work, there is a heaven that pauses and rejoices at the soul that is saved. And there is a God who rewards those who bring others to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want something in your hand that day, you stand before the Lord to lay at his feet, share the incredible gospel of Jesus Christ. It will be worth any embarrassment, any, any person who told you no. I, the nightmare stories are out there, but few they really happen to be. But it would be worth anybody slamming a door in your face. It would be worth anyone cursing your name. It would be worth anybody shaming you as some crazy fanatical Christian. That day, when you stand before your Jesus, receiving the crown of bringing someone to Christ and lay it at the feet of the one who laid down everything for you, it will be worth it all. And what in the world are we caught up with the things of this life so busy. I, I challenge you this, Christian. Did you lead a soul to Christ in 2023? And if not, make sure 2024 is not the same. Make sure it is not the same. Ask yourself this question. Did I share the gospel from start to finish this year with one soul? And if not, determine that this year will be different. Because there is a day you'll see the one who laid down all for you and committed unto you the wonderful gospel and the word of reconciliation and said, go be an ambassador to me to a lost world. And I will promise you this. There is a heaven that rejoices in the moment of salvation and you will certainly rejoice that moment God in heaven rewards you for your life. Yeah, too many times we got a lot of other things we're doing and we're missing out and we think surely there's a reward for this. Well, I will tell you there is a reward for the soul winner. And sorry the Christian who stands before God without that one in their hand. I'm sorry, but sorry the Christian to have a saved soul but a witnessless life. To have received the greatest gift of all of eternity but never share it with another soul. Sorry the Christian. And rejoicing the Christian who shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. Rejoicing the Christian who holds that crown in their hand and lays it at the feet of their Savior. Lord, you saved my soul. And thankfully, Lord, you used me to help point another soul to Christ. You, you want to make this next year matter? You want to make it matter? I can tell you one good way. Share the gospel. Look for his return and live with his return in mind. Overcome. Overcome the temptations and trials of life and stay faithful to your God this year.
Some will fall away. I, I pray to God that everybody that's here tonight is here by the end of the year. But some will fall away. Some stay faithful. Share the gospel. I think this last one, I'll, I'll be finished here tonight, but in 1 Peter chapter 5, go to 1 Peter chapter 5. He says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not of filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. The crown of glory, we often call it Maybe the pastor's crown. I, I'm reminded of this when he says to the pastor in Hebrews 13, 17, or to the church, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account that ye may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. There's going to be a come a day when those who labor in service for the Lord that God has called will give an account for their life. And there is a reward for those who do. And so I would say this to every Christian alive and every young person, consider the ministry. Consider the ministry. I'm so tired. This world does not pay better than Jesus. Does not. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If God doesn't call you, then don't go in. Please do not. You don't just jump into something. God, your, your, your job is to serve God in the place that God has called you to serve, in the vocation that God has called you. But every person should consider, is it me, Lord? Quit following your heart and follow Jesus. The heart is deceitful above all things and it'll lead you astray. And too many people have bought into Walt Disney World. Follow your heart. The the heart has led every man to hell and Jesus has gotten in the way. The heart doesn't do you good. It is God and his word that guides a man straight. Give consideration to what God has for you in your life. Give consideration. I'm not telling you to go if God doesn't call, but certainly don't stay if God calls. To give consideration. There is a God who rewards. And he pays better. He pays so much better. His payment is an eternal payment. I'm thankful for the generosity of this church that cares for my physical needs. And I get a paycheck every two weeks. And guess what? I need it a few weeks later again. Because this life eats it up, doesn't it? But when God pays, friend, it fadeth. Do you catch that in the verse? It fadeth not away. The payments of this life fade away. That's why we live for eternal crowns. Because the things you're squeaking out of this life, it fades away very quickly. Come and it's gone. Comes and it's gone. But God pays eternally. There's a call. I think for the Christian, I think of this verse for all of us tonight. Matthew 5, 17 through 19 says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. God said, I didn't come to get rid of the old. I'm not come to destroy the law. And then he said this statement, but to fulfill. 
God didn't come away to, to rip up and tear away the Old Testament. He was the fulfillment of it all. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I'll tell you who God calls great in his kingdom. Those who do and those who teach. I, I tell you what, I, I've seen some folks on television and thought, they're well known here, but they won't be well known there. Right. The world recognizes them down here and they got a big crowd. But judging by what I heard, you're not going to be well known up there. I've seen TikTok doctrine, YouTube influencers, all those folks. And I'll tell you something. They may be well known down here, but they won't be up there. They won't be. But there is somebody that God said, I'm drawing attention to. That one who walked according to my word, obeyed it and brought somebody along behind him. Let me ask you this, Christian. Who are you bringing along behind you? Who are you bringing along? There's coming a day. And God has given me the incredible opportunity to say, grow closer to the Lord by growing closer to his word. And in that day, it will matter. Picture that moment. You and I have been laboring and serving on this earth. The rapture happens. We're up. What a moment that will be when we see our Savior. And I'm pretty sure we're all going to fall on our feet, knees before him. And every tongue confess. We'll confess that day that Jesus Christ is Lord. This world goes through seven years of tribulation and we go before the judgment seat of Christ. We stand there that day before our Lord. Toughest day ever. <laughs> what have you done with your life? Here. Let's put it in the fire for a moment and see what comes from it. And the fire is hot. How much burns away? I'm going to be thankful for the fire that day. I, I think in my life verse, Philippians 1.20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I'll be ashamed of it. That always, but well, I, I, um, according to my earnest expectation, my hope that in nothing I would be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, that I might magnify him and make much of the Lord, that he might increase in my life, but that in nothing I would be ashamed. But anybody who's lived and looks long in the rear view has got things you would rather weren't there. And that fire will burn it away. And I'll be left with something in my hand. Not for me to put on the mantle of my mansion. But to take before my Savior. And lay at his feet. I love you, Lord. We just had Christmas. And, uh, you know, when you're a kid, you love Christmas because of what you're about to get, don't you? What is the present this year? Right? As a parent, it's different, Right? We're saving, we're scraping, becoming Scrooge a little bit here and there, all right? But not because of what we're hoping to get, 
because of the smile on somebody's face when they get it, right? We've been saving, we've been scraping so that we can give something to somebody and see the smile on their face. Christian, we're going through life laboring, serving, staying faithful. Not so that I can have some big Christmas present, but that I can take what I've received from this life and lay it on his, at his feet and see the smile on his face and the words on his lips and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I first loved you, but you loved me back and you proved it with your life. And I, I'll tell you, there's another year ahead of us and God is not vague concerning what he rewards. Crown of righteousness, he's coming, so live for that day. Crown of life, be an overcomer. I promise you this, there will be good times this next year, but there will probably be some hard ones. But the hard ones are another opportunity to be faithful to the Lord and remain strong and faithful and endure temptations and receive that, that crown of life that I might lay at his feet the incorruptible crown, to remain temperate, to live holy and separate for my Lord and to lay aside the weights that so easily beset me and that I might lay something at his feet, the crown of rejoicing. Friend, there are folks that God will bring into my life and into your life that you and I have the incredible responsibility but even greater privilege to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with. That we might see them come to know Christ and lay a crown at our Father's feet. A crown of glory, young people, Consider ministry. Christian, consider the word and teach somebody. Teach somebody about your God. Live a life of example. and Look for somebody that you can walk through discipleship, a child that you can point to the Lord, a Christian that you can encourage, somebody that you can bring along. Because the pinnacle of it all is coming is coming and I will see him and what a day that will be when I see him what a day that will be when I get to scrape together the meager things of this life and the way that I've lived for him things that he honors and lay at his feet and in that moment I'll know that he loves me but I want him to know that I love him as a young person I I would remember the statements that God would attribute to different men, known as a friend of God, David, a man after God's own heart. I would read the Gospel of John, and in the Gospel of John, it was said about the apostle, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I was convicted of that. One day, and I remember the moment reading that statement, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and decided, Lord, I, I want to be known as the one who loved you. If I can choose something, some name when I leave this world behind, may it be that I love my Jesus. Can I ask you, Christian, that moment, the opportunity to say, I have loved you, Lord. I have loved you. I loved you so much that I was looking and waiting for the moment I saw you and living for it. I loved you so much, Lord, that when the trial came, I endured the temptation, remained faithful. I loved you so much, Lord, that I had to tell somebody about you. I love you so much, Lord. I had to teach others about you so that when I saw you, I would have these things to lay at the one's feet who loved me 
so much. Can I tell you something? Don't waste 2024 living for anything else. Don't waste it. Not a moment. Parents, lead your children to live for those things. Live for those things. Because there is a God who honors it. There is a God who rewards it. And when he rewards it, the point is not to set it on my mantle where everybody can see it, but to lay it at my Savior's feet where he sees it. Let him know that man, that woman has loved me. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the scripture. Lord, I'm thankful that there's coming a day when we get to express our love for you not only by our daily walk while we're here showing it, but the day that we stand before the Lord and the way we've lived, we're rewarded for, that we may take those things and lay them at the feet of the one who has loved us so much. Lord, I know how easy it is to look at other things. I know how easy it is to be caught up living for other things. Lord, we live in a fallen world. Lord, I think of how you would even encourage us in Matthew chapter six, not to be caught up, not to worry about the things of this life, the food, the shelter, the raiment but to seek first the kingdom of God and how difficult that is sometimes when we look around at the physical needs that they can completely draw our attention off of the internal reality. I pray tonight that our gaze would have been refocused on that day. As we look to a new year, we look to that moment of laying those rewards at your feet. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me just ask you this, this question. First of all, do you know him? When he comes, when that trumpet sounds, are you going up to be with him or will you be without him? Will you spend all of eternity with him or all of eternity without him? Will you spend all of eternity in heaven or all of eternity in hell? Do you know the Lord? I mean, you could say this evening, preacher, I know the Lord. That's a settled thing for me. I know heaven is my home and that's where I'm headed. If you'd raise your hand, if that's your testimony, preacher, I know that I'm saved. Thank you. You may put your hand down. How many of you would say, preacher, this evening, I'm unsure of that, but I want to know him. I want to know him. Is there anybody like that? You say, preacher, would you pray for me? Let me ask you this then, Christian. How many of you would say, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart. I, the Lord has spoken in my heart. I, maybe it's a gaze that's lost focus of his coming. And I know this world is easy to pull us aside. And I know our flesh is, I think of the song, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. But it's easy to follow. It's easy to fall away from what God has for you. But how many of you say, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart this evening. Would you stand with me as that invitation is given, as the opportunity to pray is given? And take a moment as God has spoken to your heart to use the altar tonight. And I I don't know whether you have New Year's resolutions or not, but I do know these crowns, these things that God mentions are a good place to set your gaze this year. To put our gaze on these things in our life. But as God has spoken to your heart, as the invitation is given, spend time with the Lord tonight.